We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com the baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day Seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge, the answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? The Bronx Pinstripe Show. Uh, Fair warning, I'm not feeling great. Uh, Scott, uh, this might be my Jordan flu game uh, for everybody out there. I'm going to try and battle through it and give a good podcast here. But uh, the, the temperature dropped like 40 degrees in the last week, and it's really messing with my system. So if this is your Jordan flu game, it's going to be your best episode. I mean, Jordan flu game, it, it didn't do him uh, 
he didn't take any steps back. So yeah, I mean, after people listen, but you led with an excuse. After people listen to this, they're going to be really wild, and they're going to (laughs) be forced to download it twice this episode. There you go. Yeah, it, it definitely has gotten cold. It's it's um, just by watching those games, too. Um, New York's hit cold. Uh, I can only imagine what it's like up in Boston. Um, I had this weekend, I had a busy weekend, man. I had on f- on Friday, um, I, I had set up a golf tournament. And Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you were telling me about it. How did it I, go? It was good. There were 100 guys that came into town. This was guys. a fraternity, right? Like the yep, alumni fraternity thing? alumni event. Uh, we do it during homecoming every year. And I uh, went off pretty much without a hitch. The, the weather was a little crappy, but it doesn't really stop many people. Uh, you know, so open. It's basically we have we have cart girls throughout the course with uh, with free booze, so it, it gets it gets lively. And then there's a uh, so we do that, and then um, we do the there's a homecoming game the following day. So yeah, it was a long weekend for me. I, I made it to the halftime at the football game. And I was like, I gotta go. I I have nothing left. So that's anybody do do anything stupid like flip, oh yes flip a flip a golf cart in a bunker or something. Um, not in a bunker, but there were the the carts were never flipped, but there were some jackasses that got caught driving on the green, doing circles on it's one of the greens, doing donuts on the green. Yes, so that that happened. Um, luckily, there was no damage to the greens because that would have cost a very pretty penny. Yeah, well, and, is this uh, like a nice country club? I wouldn't call it a nice country club. It's a it's a nice course. It's not it's not like a crazy nice course though. But it's it's, it's close to campus. So that's one of the main reasons we do it um, at this place. And they they do tolerate a little bit more. So so they um so that's that's kind of one of the and they're very good to us. They they do a good job. So yeah, no harm no foul is what I was told though because the the damage wasn't bad. So that's good. But other than that, yeah, you know, pretty. Uh, it was just jam packed, man. And I just I. I, I, yesterday was a a very uh, just kind of lazy day for me to watch some football and baseball and uh, and hang out. So, but yeah, everything went well. Oh yeah, I didn't move off the couch all day yesterday. It's beautiful. Yesterday was yesterday was a good one. And, yesterday was a good. One. You know, the Patriots were the night game, and it, it's tough to get through a full twelve hours of sitting on the couch and watching football. You know, I don't think we've actually come out and say that you're a Patriots fan. I feel oh, like we have. You, you need to come out and say it's, it. No, well, I feel like it's, it's been well like. I feel like it's been let let out a few times, but I'm not sure if you've actually said, "Hey, my name is my name is Andrew, and I'm a Patriots fan." Do I have to? It's like it's like yeah, going to AA so. or something. It is like going to AA. Hi, my name is Andrew, and I do indeed like the New England Patriots. The so it's kind of team in NFL history. It's kind of funny that you know we're we're obviously on the same page with when it comes to baseball, but we're bitter enemies and rivals. So I fully realize that. I'm probably the worst, like, as far as liking teams, Yankees and Patriots, um, maybe the only thing that could rival that is, like, if you add in a Lakers, like, if I wrote it for the Lakers as well, um, which I don't. But uh, the reason that Or just I, follow LeBron around. Yeah. Or, yeah, just a Miami Heat fan um, yeah. when he was there. Uh, the reason I like the Patriots, obviously, are people familiar. I grew up in Rhode Island. Uh, my dad's family originally has ties to New York, which is where I get my Yankees fandom. But uh, never really a strong football influence in my family growing up. So I ended up just liking the same team as my friends. And I didn't really realize how much of a like a weird thing it was and how douchey I sounded when I said I liked the Yankees and the Patriots until I got to college. And people <laughs> were like, wait, wait, wait. So you like the, the Yankees and you like the Patriots? Because that was at the time when the Yankees um, 
I mean, obviously, 2006, the Yankees had very more recently won a bunch of World Series, and the Patriots had just won all those Super Bowls. So um, I, I was labeled as a, as a bandwagon fan. Wasn't looking good for you. No, but... Uh, yeah. But I start, you know, I, I prove to people that I am not a bandwagon fan. Right, it's genuine. I, I I can vouch for that. It's definitely genuine. It's um, it's just it's just funny. It's a it's an interesting dynamic, interesting dynamic. But yes, so you had a long day. The the Patriots definitely had an interesting game. I'd say probably their one of their more competitive games up until some bonehead stuff. But um, yeah, so like- I mean, s- somehow the Colts would have looked better today had they just lost by a hundred, which is what everyone thought they were going to do. Patriots, they thought we were going to go in there and just steamroll them, and they would have come out. People would have said, you know what, that's that's what the Colts versus Patriots rivalry has been. But the Colts, like you said, they were playing well. They, um, you know, they did what teams have to do against the Patriots. They go, they went for it on on fourth and one from the five yard line in the first drive of the game. You can't kick field goals against the Patriots. They ended up getting that touchdown. Um, they got a pick six. It was a lucky pick six. Pick six. It was a uh, bobble by Edelman, which went in. But then they got they they did the onside kick, which I actually think they recovered that. They did recover that. Um, that was a huge momentum change. I don't know why that is like not more reviewable than it was. Well, it was reviewed. They just what they what they determined was that they didn't have enough evidence to yeah to overturn it. But and which I which I agree. I mean, the, they got the the call on the field wrong. Is what what happened? I don't know why. I don't. I mean, uh, I forget who it was. Moncrief, I think, came up with it. I think it was him. But he came out with the ball. I mean, it was when you yeah, look at the replay. He clearly guys, had the angle on it. A lot of times you see guys come out of piles with the ball, but that's not really who recovered it. So uh, it, there wasn't clear evidence. I, I, yeah, you're right. They, they. I think they. If the replay I watched at home, I said, "Oh, it looks like the Colts have that." Yeah, but it's. I, I know. I thought I saw the same thing. But again, you got to be like. 100% definitive, and, and there, I don't think there was that. Yeah. So, so I mean, that's a definitely a huge m- momentum change. But the Colts were going for it. They, that's what you have to do to beat the Patriots. you got to be aggressive. Um, and it was a game up through half. And then the Colts almost made it through three quarters without being stupid. But uh, it's a one-score game, and, and they, they do this fake punt thing where the entire offensive line swings out to the right side, and you've got uh, – You've got a center who's not a center. He's a he's a backup. Uh, I think he's a safety, or no, he's a wide receiver. No, it was Griff Whalen. He's a receiver. Yeah, and then the the guy who was acting as the quarterback is a is a backup safety. Yeah, it, two on three. <laughs> um, last time I checked, two on three is not going to work out well in tackle football. There wasn't even. It, I mean, there were there were two more guys swarming too from the from the other side that were just ready to pounce if they hiked the ball. And I know that um, they weren't supposed to hike it because afterwards you could see Pagano being like, "Why did you hike what the ball? What are you doing? Yeah, but <laughs> why are you even bothering? It, it, it's a close yeah. game. Just pump the ball away and, and keep. You know, don't don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. You had one job. It was. It was. Stupid. I mean, there was no threat of them hiking the ball at that point. Zero threat. So just take the take the penalty at that point. You know what I mean? Like, take the penalty, let the clock run out, and kick the ball. And then I, I loved how the ref afterwards, after they tackled him, the guy, it was like um, everybody on the right side of the line was lined up illegally. Yeah, <laughs> it's like everything from the play design to actually snapping the ball was just completely wrong. It was it just looked really stupid. It might have been the the worst play I've ever seen. 
Well, that's good because that means the Jets are off the hook for some of their plays. It looked like a very Jets play. To tell you the truth. So it did. I look could like see the Jets play. doing that, and everyone was comparing. Well, with Rex Ryan, I could see the Jets doing that. People are comparing it to the butt fumble. Um, you know, the butt fumble was definitely embarrassing, but at least Sanchez was like trying to make a play that is normal. He was trying yeah. to run with the ball, right. and he just hit his offensive he was lineman. To pick the ball up. But, like, this was just the the worst. <laughs> I, I'm sitting there. I'm screaming at my TV. I'm like, call a timeout. Call a timeout. Because it looked like they could, if they snapped it, then just toss it over to the right side and they'd have, like, a first down. But but then they snapped it and the guy's just there holding the ball and he gets tackled immediately. I just don't understand. Like, I want to know what the uh, – like if it worked out, what would have happened? Because right. they, well, like what the play design. They was? said today, if there is a a possibility to run the play, if if they have the right look, and I believe the right look is one on one with that receiver, but mm-hmm. he's the center, so how can he also be the receiver? I don't know. Very, very bizarre. I have a buddy who's a Colts fan, and his status after that was just fire everybody. <laughs> yeah. No, you got. they've got to change coaching there. Yeah, Pagano's not. It's, it's Something's going on, man. I, and Andrew Luck still doesn't look like Andrew Luck. Uh, he just doesn't look like the same guy. And he's got a lot of weapons. It's not like he's l- lacking weapons. He's got. A, I'd say he's got a better running game. The offensive line looked pretty good last night. Um, Moncrief and T.Y. Hilton are, are, are solid guys that, that can definitely – Create space. Uh, Andre Johnson's toast. Um, but they, I, I mean, they have guys who can play. They have like 15 t- uh, tight ends that can catch. I think with them, it's like poor scheming. Um, they they like to throw a lot of deep, you know, deep in routes, like 15, 20 yard routes yeah. that these guys run in. Like it's just not the way the NFL. You can be very successful passing the ball in the NFL right now. Especially well, it's, if hard, it's hard to do that line. too with your offensive line. Yeah, right? if your offensive like line is shaky. Like you got to get three to five seconds to do that and yeah. sometimes luck is getting one second it's like you right. can't you can't do that i'd say last night they played better than i'd seen them play that well they was... played really well for hasselbeck too actually they kept him up right yeah but um, i mean they i mean talk about feasting on your division they played the jaguars and the texans and the and the that Titans. was strategic right there they're like we can win this with matt yeah. hasselbeck that's what that was yeah the, but, yeah, the Colts. I mean, they're yeah. The, I I mean, they're going to win that division. I think because everybody else is very bad. But um, I don't see them going anywhere in the playoffs. No, I'm actually surprised the Jaguars aren't aren't putting up better. Because actually, they're they're putting up some numbers. Say that Blake Bortles. Say Blake Bortles again, is my new quarterback. Say that again. I, I don't think I heard you correctly. Blake Bortles is my new fantasy football quarterback. That's the only reason I know they're putting up numbers. You're surprised <laughs> that the Jaguars, the Jacksonville Jaguars, are not doing better? No, I'm surprised they haven't had uh, they haven't had another win or two because yeah. of the numbers they're putting up on offense. They're putting up a lot of points. Yeah, their, that can be deceiving. Is, but a couple of years ago, their defense was actually pretty good when when uh, when Homeboy came over from Seattle. They actually had a, a decent. Defense and now it's it's kind of crumbled away and their offense is starting to pick up. So, well, you know what uh, you know what the the Pats win yesterday and the Jets won yesterday. You know what that sets up for, right? Big time next week, baby. Yeah. Big time. I mean, I I don't think I gave the Jets enough credit before the season started. I I figured they would be the, the third or fourth. Jets. I thought they'd be the third or fourth best uh, team in the division. All, in fairness, this is when I thought Geno Smith was the quarterback. Yeah. Well, you know, because you said the same thing with Fitzpatrick too. No, I didn't. I said they'd be better. I said they'd be more competent. The the 
the difference maker right now is Todd Bowles. And one, he's, his different his defensive scheming is completely different than Rex Ryan. He blitzes more. Rex Ryan doesn't really blitz more. People think he blitzes, but he doesn't. He doesn't blitz. He, he gives you a lot of deception, but he doesn't blitz a lot. Bowles, Bowles blitzes, and he goes for the ball. And that's something that's totally different than Rex Ryan because Rex Ryan, when we were with Rex Ryan, maybe the first couple years, maybe the first two years, we had some decent uh, turnover ratios. But the last the last few years with him was it was awful, really bad. And uh, granted, we had a lot of injuries last year in the secondary, and this year it's a totally retooled secondary. Uh, but Bowles is definitely more aggressive when it comes to that stuff. I I, I think they're they really uh, I think he's a good coach. I think he's he 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 really gets to these guys. So he also doesn't. Do stupid things like Rex Ryan sometimes does. You, and well, I, think, I was, I think it's important in the NFL. Like, don't screw it up. Like, no, like we just saw important. with Pagano. It's like there's so many. I feel like bad coaches in the league now, where they do stupid things. Their their teams are not prepared for situations. Um, you know, like I don't know if you watched any of the the games yesterday. Like the, um, it was the Lions Bears game, and the Lions and the Bears both stink this year. But it it was just like a clinic of trying to lose the game. It was unbelievable. The, I made a comment yesterday when I was watching the game. I mean, it's not a big thing that most people would notice, but it was like I think there were like three minutes left in the in the second quarter, and I don't even remember. I think the Jets had the ball, and I looked up. I was like, "Oh my god, we have three timeouts." That never <laughs> happens because with Rex Ryan, we had at maximum at the end of a quarter like that. At the end of the half, we would have you know one or if, if we were lucky, have a timeout to do anything with, and. You see Todd Bowles over there not not calling stupid timeouts because one you know they're not lining up correctly or you know they they just he just calls one because he's not ready or that's the biggest difference I think Todd, Todd Bowles seems like a lot more prepared he seems like he really knows what he's doing out there um, his clock management so far I don't want to I don't want to put any uh, any jinxes on this but has been very good you know, compared to what we've been seeing. So, and, you know, I was a Rex guy. I really, I did like Rex Ryan, but his in-game management was definitely something that, that was, you know, less, less to be desired. Uh, and you could see the huge difference with Bulls. So here's the question with this Jets-Patriots game. I think it's, can the Jets get to like 30 to 33 points? Do you think they can? Here's the difference. This is, I don't think it's going to be that high scoring because... We've we've seen in the past the one the one kryptonite that that is Tom Brady and the Patriots is pressure. If you could get to Tom Brady, if you could get to him relatively quickly, you're going to have a lot better success. I mean, Brady, it's a it's a well known fact. If he has time, he's going to crush you. If he doesn't have time, you have a chance. Um, and, and you know these guys don't have a lot of time to to do all that. And that's where I think. Todd Bowles has a, a very good advantage, especially with our four man, with the with the four guys we have up front. I mean, I think it's one of the better defensive lines in the league, if not the best defensive line in the league. Um, and I think we're going to put pressure on on Brady. Uh, so I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as you think. I it, I know that the offensive line for the Patriots is banged up, and they had another guy go down last night. But Brady is getting rid of the ball so quickly, and he's do, it, it, they run such quick routes. I mean, Edelman and Gronkowski and Amendola and the kid Deion Lewis, the running back. They're throwing these like very quick passes, and yeah, you can get pressure on Brady, but he's getting rid of the ball in like under two seconds. That's fine, but we also have one of the better secondaries in the league as well. So there's something's going to give there. I mean, you're not going to be torturing Revis all day. You're not going to be torturing Cromartie all day. Um, if Buster Strine got hurt, uh, he had a concussion, I think. So hopefully he's back. But he's been playing very well in the slot, which could be a big matchup with him and Edelman, uh, or unless they put Revis on Edelman, which they well, might. I. 
Or they may I put think, Rivas I on Brock. Who knows? I think Rivas on Edelman is a favor for Edelman. Rivas is fantastic, but he's better on receivers on the outside. Like big, no, I agree. Bigger, I agree with that. You know, bigger, more traditional wide receivers. That's Edelman, why I think Edelman's Buster's an inside crying. guy. That's why I think Buster Scrine's a big is a big deal because he's been playing very well and uh, he's quick. He's real quick, so that could be a good matchup. That could be something that w- that, that definitely could be circled on the on the matchup card. But um, you know they're deep, man. I, look, they're they're deep in the secondary. Their defense is deep, so I, I don't think they're going to be scoring thirty points. I, I don't see that happening. I I I've, I I do respect the Jets' defense, and they and they force turnovers. But at the same time, the Patriots don't turn the ball over. That was Brady's first pick yesterday. Because there's no pressure on him as well. That's the other thing. He hasn't had any pressure. He's moving much better though, even in the pocket. Like you saw last night, he got a couple. You know, there was some pressure, but he was able to evade it, and he threw that one pass to Blount. With sort of rolling out of the pocket. I mean, he's not like a mobile quarterback. It's not Russell Wilson back there, but he's he's not as immobile, and he doesn't stand back there as long as he did like five years ago, I want to say. Yeah, I don't buy that. I mean, I think if he has pressure up the gut, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I know the player you're talking about, and I remember them saying something about him being fleet of foot, but um, that was just a bunch of smoke, in my opinion. Like, he, he rolled out well on that play, but uh, he's still... He's still not a mobile quarterback, and he doesn't move that great in the pocket. And when you give him, when you when you get up in his face, we've seen it with the Rex Ryan. When Rex Ryan plays him, when he played him with the Jets, they were all low scoring games. Like every single one of them were not not all of them. Most of them were low scoring games, Um, and and it was because they were getting pressure on Brady. And now that we we could get pressure, I believe in different schemes, and we have the guys in the back. Because um, our safeties are, are well, good, too. Well, what do you think it is? Do you think it's more the Rex Ryan coached defense, or do you think it's more of the guys he had with the Jets? Because No, I think the guys are better now, and I think Bowles is better to get, get pre- getting pressure. Uh, like I said, Rex Ryan would, would go a lot of deception, uh, but he wouldn't blitz a lot. He, would, he, would, um, he wouldn't send a lot of guys. Bowles, Bowles will take some more chances uh, and, and, and I don't get think, guys in there. I don't think you can blitz Brady if he knows it's coming, he's gonna he's gonna find a guy. Well, that's the thing; it's still deceptive. I mean, he's not showing his hand. Listen, well, I'm not saying the Patriots, very good I'm speed. not saying the Patriots are gonna hang 55 on him, but but I still think that if the if the I Jets mean, are gonna win this game, 30. if the Jets are gonna win this game, they're gonna need, need to score 30 points. The Patriots will at least get into the high 20s. I, well, look, the Jets are gonna. I, I agree, the Jets have to score points, um, but. You know, I, look, I have the most. I have more confidence in this Jets offense than I've had in a long time. No, those, that, so that's what I'm saying. I I think that the the Jets like I was. That's where I was going with. I this. could see this being a 2017 game. That's what I, I could see this being. Oh, I don't. I I see it being more high scoring uh, because again, I think Brandon Marshall is a weapon. Decker's looking good. Uh, Fitzpatrick will make mistakes, but he can also throw it. And he's seen the Patriots yeah. a bunch. He was with Buffalo forever. Yeah, and it's the same. It's I mean, it's a similar. Belichick hasn't changed his schemes too much. I mean, it's it's a, it's a similar offense where he just spreads around a lot. The thing is, though, you you gotta you gotta you can't kick field goals. If you're driving the ball, you gotta score touchdowns. Yeah, well, that's that's a good thing we have Chris Ivory for that. He's been he's been looking real good. He's been looking really good. Um, you know, he's he's uh, he's our pounder, just like you guys have have Blunt, who just who just uh, who, who just mashes up the middle. That dude's huge, um, but. Yeah, we'll see. Deion Lewis is going to be the biggest X factor. It's Lewis and Edelman, I think, are be the, the the two biggest X factors because traditionally, and I don't know what you know if we've done you know what the what the Bulls factor is in this, but um, 
guys who catch out of the backfield have been a problem, and then um, and then guys in the slot have been an issue for the Jets and the just historically. And that's definitely the past the five six years. Strength. And that's yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I think we have better secondary now to uh, a slot guy. I mean, our, our slot guy last year was uh, Kyle Kyle. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I can't remember his name. He's the kid out of Boise State. I'm Kyle so Wilson. terrible with names in the NFL. It's Kyle Wilson. He was our he was a, he was the number one draft pick. He was a first round draft pick, and he was just a total bust. He was terrible. I don't know if he was just playing out of position the whole time with Rex, but I mean he hasn't he's gone to other places, hasn't done anything. Uh, but he was awful in the slot, and now the uh, the Buster's there from Cleveland, and that was a guy that Bulls selected. I mean he had picked that uh, had picked him for for what he can do in the slot. Um, so yeah, I, I have a lot more confidence, and uh, you know we got the uh, the Louisville Slugger playing his natural position. He's he's back to playing the the ball hawking center fielder, um, and uh, Marcus Gilchrist, who is the, the our, our safety as well. He came over from San Diego in the offseason and been playing really well. So look, I have confidence. I think this 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 is a, another week where um, where Richardson will also be there. So I think they have kind of a, a week under their belt with. With uh, all all the guys back now that he's off of suspension, so it's going to be an interesting game. I'm not going to say the Jets are going to go out and win, but I think it's going to be a close game. It'll definitely be interesting. And uh, hey, I like that the Jets are good. Uh, I was happy that the the Jets, you know, were winning games because it would be boring. I'm going to sound like a dick, but it would be boring if the Patriots just coast 14 and two and win the division by week 10. It, it, it just it's not fun. I, I still think the Patriots will win the division, but at least there'll be some some uh, good rivalry along the way. Do you know what the uh, is there an early spread for this game? Have you seen it? I, don't, I haven't. I have looked. not. If I had to guess, well, it's in Foxborough. I I would have to guess it's like a like a touchdown, like six and a half. I I, th- seven, I mean they've been they've been half. they've been nine like every week. It seems like nine yeah, and but a half, the Jets nine. are four, the Jets are four and one. I mean, or five and one. What's their record? Four and one. Four and one. We had a, I mean, bi- we had a bye game, week last one week. One game so. in back of the Patriots. I mean, at Foxborough. Yeah, I don't know. Six and a, I think it's going to be above six and a half. I could see that. I, I, maybe I don't know. I think that's still low. I think that's still low. They're going to give the. I think they'll give the Patriots at least a touchdown at home. Okay, which I mean is makes sense with the way the Patriots are playing. Yeah, give some I, good money on the Jets. I, right? I love it. This is right where I want the Jets coming in confident, just so we can stomp them and put them back in their place. See, we're a different team, though. We don't talk anymore. There's no more talking. It's just handling business inside the house. And, and, yeah, but you're and, a you know, confident, you you're confident. You're a confident Jets fan. I, I, am, I am not a confident. Look, I am happy with their way that they're playing. I am, I am I'm ecstatic watching them going there, but I am not having illusions of grandeur. I know, I know what could happen. So, look, I'm a Jets fan. Jets fans, you, you have to be cautiously optimistic always and and what that means is you're pessimistic because some good things don't happen to you for very long you know they're like when's it gonna when's when's the other shoe gonna gonna drop that's that's what you're thinking so well since there's a lot of Mets and Jets fans that's usually the combo it's usually Yankees Giants they thinking that the 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 Mets and Jets have a little uh nice little thing going with 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 the with the Mets playoff success that's where they think maybe the Jets are having some good luck as well yeah well, I'm not on that team, so I'm not on the Mets Jets team. So I'm not. Uh, even though the Mets are just are, are kicking some ass right now, they really are. Um, I don't know, man. I just so, I, look. I'm I'm looking forward to it. The bottom line is, I'm looking forward to it. I think they're going to put up a good fight. Do I think they can win? Yes, I do think they can win. Do I think they're going to win? I don't know. I just I I don't know. I hope so, 
But I think they can win. I think that's and that's what I want. I want the possibility of that. So to prepare for the game, it's a one o'clock game. You're going to wake up early and stream that Bills Jaguars game on Yahoo next week. Yeah, I think I am going to try that. Check that out. I think the the streaming on Yahoo is interesting. One, you told me this before the before we started recording. I didn't even know that it was uh, strictly on Yahoo and it wasn't going to be on television. Yeah, so. so I had I had heard something about it a few weeks ago, but then they played the commercial like a million times yesterday during the broadcast. I don't know. I that seems weird to me. They've done things like this before. Uh, I forget what it was. Uh, Yahoo's done it a, a, with uh, with a sporting event before. I can't I can't think of what it was, but I think they've done it in the past. Uh, but look, it's this is the they're going to be competing for for rights at some point. It's going to be like Yahoo. I could see doing that. I could see Facebook doing that. I could see Google doing that. Am- and Amazon, and Amazon. Like this is going to happen. This is the I think the future of of some of these sporting events. It's, it's going to be streamed on online. So uh, it, yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's kind of. Um, what we're going to see in the in, in the future with 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 uh, streaming and television? Maybe so. they should have picked a better matchup for the first ever. <laughs> yeah, and Yahoo does have that's uh, Yahoo does have a a relationship with NBC um, because if you go to the uh, like Yahoo Fantasy Football, like a lot of their information comes from Roto World, which is NBC. So they do have some kind of a relationship with NBC, I think, as well. And I would guess that in those local markets, they'll be. They have to be broadcast on TV, right? I, I assume so. I don't know. Maybe they're blacked out. Who knows? They got to be though. I, I I gotta look to see like you know what the what the deal is with that. But I would assume in the local markets at least they they can get it on the um, network television. All you know is there's zero percent chance I watch that. I'll watch it just because to, to see what the deal is, and it's I like sports in the morning. Like you know before when the Jets played in London. I'm a big fan of the, the morning sports. I'm a big fan of, you know, eating some eggs, drinking some Bloody Marys, and watching sports. I'm all right with that. That's like one of the, that's like one of the appealing things, I think, moving to the West Coast is. You get to watch football at 10 o'clock in the morning. I yeah. think that's awesome. And then you get to watch at 6.30 in the morning for the London game. Yeah, that's cool. I'll get up for that. That's like, see, I, see, I love one of my favorite... One of my favorite sporting events, it always has been because I, when I was a kid, my mom and I used to get up and watch it, is breakfast at Wimbledon. We'd always get – because I was a big ten- – I really like tennis. I like watching uh, tennis, men and women. I think it's an exciting sport to watch. So we'd always get up and, and do a whole breakfast thing and watch and watch Wimbledon. That was kind of a, a highlight sporting event for me growing up. And I still like doing it. I, you know, I get up to watch it now. So I, I don't know. There's something about getting up early to watch a sporting event is kind of cool. And when I was in Taiwan, that's what I was doing with Yankee games. I was watching all the Yankee games run at 7 a.m. Uh, because it's exactly 12 hours. So it was, uh, it was interesting. Well, I'll be preparing mentally for the Jets-Patriots game. Nice. So uh, do you know what Wednesday is? Wednesday? Uh, no, I don't. It is October 21st. 2015, which is Back to the Future Day. Are you a Back to the Future guy? I mean, I've seen the movies a hundred times, probably. Uh, the The second one, I'd say, actually, I've seen the least. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm a fan of the franchise. I lo- I mean, I they're probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, I've okay. seen I've seen all three of them like a million times. But um, yeah, so this is the day that Marty goes to the future in the second movie. So there's been like tons of things, obviously, and and the biggest thing is the Cubs being in the playoffs and being good. That's I think why everyone is you know saying oh you know they got it they might be getting some stuff right. So uh, I wanted to take a look at some of the other stuff they they had and see what they got right. Okay. Um. So they had flying cars. 
there we don't have flying cars, but I feel like we could have flying cars if we wanted to. We could definitely have flying cars right now. I don't know why. You, I mean, you would need you would need uh, uh, the license for a flying car would be pretty hard to get. But yeah. I, I mean, I guarantee it's possible. I think the biggest reason we don't have flying cars is they don't trust us people, right. <laughs> citizens. I wouldn't to trust have us flying either. Cars. No, I would not trust not. us. Uh, but I think we definitely have the technology for that. Yeah. Um, there was in the movie there was TV screens and like uh, um, essentially tablets everywhere, which is spot yeah. on. Right on. It looks like Times Square, you know, with all the things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they had hoverboards, which again we don't have hoverboards, but we have those uh, handless Segway things that you see like NBA players riding around on all the time. Yeah. So uh, that's a check mark in my book. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did have, unfortunately, Michael Jackson still alive. Which, yeah, didn't see that one coming. No. Uh, Jaws 19. They don't have, they have not made 19 Jaws, but they have made seven Fast and the Furious movies. And have, are they on Sharknado 19 yet? Yeah. So <laughs> they, they might be. So I'm also counting that as a check mark. And the biggest one is Cubs World Series and the Miami Marlins team. They didn't call them the Marlins, but they said Cubs versus Miami, which, I mean, that's pretty, pretty good. Pretty good guess. Yeah, and and even going back to the, the Jaws thing too. I mean, it's obviously an exaggeration for Jaws nineteen, but I mean, like, how many Bond movies do they have now? You know what I mean? It's like that that is happening. Whether it's it's not Jaws, but it's happening. Oh yeah, Hollywood. They're is making just remakes. They're making th- yeah, just just keep remaking movies. So remakes and sequels. Pretty accurate. Yeah, and then the Cubs in the World Series. The Mets are really trying to make that not happen. So, <laughs> with the Miami team, that's good. So, and, uh, and Back to the Future trilogy is, I think, the only movie in history to tastefully do incest as a main plot line. <laughs> it was PG. I think it was PG movie. Well, that's because nobody really, like, I don't think people actually put the dots together that it was incest. And if you're, <laughs> if you're wondering, like, what the hell am I talking about? In the first movie, Marty goes to 1955, and his mom, who was, like, 17 years old at the time, falls in love with him, which is definitely creepy yeah it's weird it's real weird still one of my favorite movies of all time yeah. it's definitely it's definitely a, a great trilogy i mean the the whole the, the, i like the third one too that was the that was the wild west one right yeah that, that was a that might be my least favorite of the three not to say i didn't like it but yeah um no no great great and um again christopher lloyd i feel like we talk about christopher lloyd a lot on this podcast i think you like christopher lloyd a little too much <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so did you see the bat flip heard around the world live last week? Yes, the Jose Batista douchebag bat flip. Yes, I saw it. One of the craziest, you know, innings, innings? in baseball history. It's got to be one of the craziest innings in baseball history, right? You know, I, so I turned that in. I turned that game on. Uh, I turned the game on after after the errors. Uh, just ra- randomly, I, it was. Oh, so you saw the bottom of the seventh? Yeah, I saw the bottom of the seventh. I think I saw the third error, and then I, I kind of like rewound and, and saw the rest of it to see what because they were all talking about what happened. Um, so yeah, I ended up seeing the whole thing, and then I saw the the bat flip, the Batista thing live. So it was insane. It really was crazy, and I'm glad they got the I'm glad they got the uh, the the play right on uh, in the half inning before that. Because that's an interesting play. Oh, uh, when Russell Martin hit Sinshu Chu's bat. Yes, and who was running? O- Odor, Odor, Odor was he, yeah, and it, that's good base. He running. knew it. Good base running. 
Yep, he knew it. He he was one of the only people in the building that knew that that knew that that rule, uh, that it's a live ball. So good on him for knowing that. And yeah, I mean that's just baseball. You know that's baseball, Susan. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> hold you on. Had, so so you called Batista douchebag. So you, I, I take it you don't like that he pimped the shit out of that thing. No, I can't stand that stuff. I mean, I mean, call me old school in that way. Like I want you to hit it, hit a shot. You can celebrate a little bit, but he's just such the way he did it. He's he. It wasn't even so much the bat flip; it was the staring down the players. Like he was looking for eye contact. Then he flipped the bat. Then he ran. So the the thing, the only thing I disliked about the whole thing was after the game when he was asked about it, he said he did not try and do anything to show anybody up or do yeah, anything. Yeah, you can't say order. that after you Which, do it. Yeah, when you throw the bat. 40 feet in the air and stand at home plate for five full seconds and f- basically flex your muscles in Texas Rangers face. You can't then sit there and say, oh, no, no, no. I was just trying to play it cool. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't mean to. It was the emotions. I have the utmost respect for the game. No, you don't. Shut the, just shut your mouth. But at the same that's, time. That's not what happened. I think baseball needs more of that. I guess. I, I just – look, I, I, I can't stand showboating. Like that's one of my biggest – the biggest pet peeves that I, in sports for me is, is showboating. I, you know, I want you to go out there, do your job, act like you've been there before. These guys are professional athletes. But I mean, yes, I, I see it's emotional. Like you can be – sports. Be, it's sports, crazy. Dude. But, but, the, but going and, and like staring people down and then – I don't even mind the bat flip in all honesty. It was so, the staring people down that got me. It's totally also who you're rooting for because when it gets done to your team, you're going to be absolutely pissed. Right. Anytime David Ortiz you know, acts cocky and takes 25 minutes to run around the bases against the Yankees, I get pissed. But when Jabba Chamberlain did his 40 million fist pumps when he struck somebody out, I, I didn't get pissed. I loved it. That's true. So it's I, all I, about the laundry. I'd say I tolerate it more when it is my team. Yeah, I'll, it's I'll all about that. the laundry. So I think that, you know, I, Bautista definitely took it to the extreme. It was probably the craziest bat flips at the end of the craziest innings in baseball history. One of, one of definitely. But he took it to an extreme. But I, I think that uh, baseball would benefit from having more of it. You know, but then you, you can't go do it in a July game when the score is 10 to nothing because then you're going to get drilled. But he will, but he, and he does. He, he's done that in the past. I mean, he hasn't done to that extreme, but he, he definitely sits there and admires his, his home runs. Every I'm time fine with if you hit a big home run late in a game or you get a, a strikeout or you make a robbing home run catch or something like that, you can celebrate. It's sports. You can't take it too seriously. Now... Talking about how they got to that point was probably one of the the worst defensive innings I've seen oh. in, in baseball. I mean, it was, it was, it was bad. And uh, to his credit, um, I can't think of his name right now. The uh, Elvis Andrews. Oh, he's never I mean, gonna he, live that down. I know, but after I don't know if you heard him afterwards. He's like, it was all my fault. I oh, totally yeah. screwed that up. I'll do, I, do, I I can feel those balls hundred ninety nine out of a hundred times. He's a good shortstop. Yeah, and. You know, even the even the play that was low, like he probably usually has, like he'll scoop that and get the force. Um, I mean, I know that was not on him, but usually I'd say he gets that ball too. But it was just a disaster, just a disaster. I mean, those balls are, are just—it's it's inexcusable uh, what happened. And mental. Texas should be playing. One hundred percent mental. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Texas up two zero, and then up in the seventh inning of a in a in game five, they gift they got gifted the run, and they totally fell apart mentally. 
Yeah, it was bad. You know who's really gonna? Bad. You know who sneaky does not get any criticism for sucking in the playoffs is Prince Fielder. Yeah, I don't even know what I, I, I guess. He's I don't got know like what his a below two hundred lifetime average in the playoffs. Does he? Because he had a really good regular season. This he only year. had one hit, I think, in the series and one RBI. And the yeah. one RBI was on a a, a sacrifice, like a ground out. Right. Yeah, he was. He's. Uh, yeah, he had MVP type numbers this year. Yeah, no, he was phenomenal. And Josh Hamilton didn't do anything again. Yeah, but he's just he's a shell of he's a shell of anything at this point. Um. So unfortunately, Blue Jays advanced, and but the Royals are up 2-0. You watch any of the first couple Royals versus Blue Jays games? I, I did not. I didn't see any of it. I from Friday to Saturday, I had no idea what was going on in the outside world. So. I, I missed it. I actually like someone told me that that they were playing already. I was like, "What?" <laughs> uh, David <laughs> Price. David Price. Did he struggle again, huh? Yeah. Well, so he was pitching really well, and then in the seventh inning, totally fell apart. Ah, oh, that seventh inning. That'll um, get him. So, on our last podcast, you remember it happened live. They brought Price in in the middle of the game, which basically took him out of game five starting potential and we were wondering like exactly we're wondering what the hell are they doing price on full rest or stroman on short rest price is your ace he's he's one of the best pitchers in the league but yeah they don't trust him this is gonna i think it's really gonna hurt his free agency i still don't think it's gonna hurt his free agency i still think he's gonna get a a ridiculous amount of money yeah i mean it's not like he's gonna he's not like he's not gonna get paid but no i know but he's i mean how do you think it's gonna hurt it then I think he's not going to go to a, one of, a better team or what? Yeah, I, I honestly think that a team. I don't think the Yankees are in on, in on him anyway. But I, I think the Blue Jays might not be on be in on him. I don't know if the, this might deter the Red Sox because these are teams that need you to play in big moments. If but you, you have to. But also remember that David Price got the Blue Jays to where they are. They, I they understand. He that, was one of the big people that got them to one hundred stretch. But he's. A career, I think now one in seven in the playoffs, and that one win came in relief. I just don't hold a lot of stock in the the long term playoff. I don't know if you're if you're losing. I mean, look at Kershaw. Kershaw came in, had a horrible a horrible track record, and pitched a, a great game against the Mets um, on a on a closeout night. Yeah, I mean, and but, that was like the first time he's pitched well in the playoffs. My point, my point is, is that the teams are going to gamble that that is just a fluke. That's what they're going to do. Don't take a lot of stock into it. So I really do you, don't. But do you put stock into performing well in the playoffs? Well, some teams do, but again, no. I I, I think you have to look at a bigger picture than than looking at the the small uh, the small pieces. I, I really do. I think you have to look at the, the bigger picture. I think a lot of the teams do that. All I, know I don't it, think they put. I mean, I, I obviously it's a it's a note. It's something they look at and they note they notice what they do in the playoffs and what they or if they don't do anything in the playoffs. But I don't say that. I don't think that. Hey, we're going to give David Price seventy million dollars. Tomorrow, and then they see get, get, had a couple of bad starts, and we're not going to give him seventy million. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to give it to him. Well, first whatever. of all, he's going to get like a hundred and seventy. I know. I just throw it in. But I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a. It's a. It's a deal breaker. If I were a fan of a team that is signing David Price in the offseason, I'm saying, well, what happens when we get to October? Well, get me to October. Doesn't that fan say that? It depends on who the team is, but it depends on who the team is. They're still the, going to pay. If you're a Red Sox fan. Because I, I think the Red Sox are really going to go. I mean, D- Dombrowski loves David Price. He if you're a Red Sox fan, are you telling me that you don't want David Price because of his because of his record in the postseason? I think there'll be nonsense. major concerns with him pitching into October in Boston 
Yes. Because guess they what they will do? Guess what they will do? They will live. They will live with that. Because look at the complete reverse. <laughs> look at Pablo Sandoval. Uh, he, okay, he performs well in the postseason. <laughs> so right. Price will get him there, and then Pablo will do the rest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, w- so which one are you going to pay for? I'd rather pay for the regular season and then roll my roll and take my chances with them performing the way that they actually can perform in the postseason, and uh, you know what they what they've actually done their most of their career rather than the the fluky stuff in the postseason. So I don't know. Well, you know, and, and is it a cold weather thing? You know, there there could be a different dome. I'm just saying there could be a bunch of things that go into it that when you're looking at, at at people in the postseason as well. So you know, there, I just don't I don't put a lot of stock into the that they're. His stock, I don't put a lot of, um, of clout that his stock is going down because of this. I don't. Um, well, the anti-David Price is Daniel Murphy for the Mets, who's yeah, turned into ridiculous. a combination of – he's turned into a love child of Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Reggie Jackson, and Carlos Beltran in the playoffs. He's for, I mean, and, and the people that he's getting these hits off of are, are no slouches. They're all, they're all top yeah, starters. They're the I saw the other night. In the league. That he had one home run all year off of left-handed pitching, and he's already got three off left-handed pitching in the postseason. Two of came, two came off Kershaw. Yeah, he's out of his mind right now. He's out of his mind right now. So five home runs in the playoffs, and he only had fourteen all season. And if the Mets keep getting this kind of offense, they're going to win the World Series. Yes, <laughs> That's they've got happen. they've got that look of a team that can't lose right now. Their pitching's ridiculous. But you know they, what? It's they're crazy. throwing out five guys who throw hundred miles an hour. But you know what's crazy? Three days ago, I, I, I said the same thing about the Cubs. Yeah, but the pitching is not the same. Their offense. And look, they could go into, into Wrigley and lose three. I could see that happening. You, you, you just you don't know. But um, right now, they're, they're looking good. They have DeGrom going, I think, right? Against, yeah. against, I don't even know who it's against, but they have DeGrom going uh, in Wrigley. Yeah. I mean, so, they're and pitching, he's their number one. Their pitching is so much better than the Cubs. It really is. When you get past Lester and Arietta, then uh, you know it's it's definitely less than to be desired. When you, when you're near the Mets, you roll out guys like Harvey, Degrom, Syndergaard, and Matt. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And it's, guess what? It's bizarre guess what? world. They're, you know who their fifth starter is going to be next year? Zach Wheeler. That's their fifth starter. Assuming that's, no one no one leaves or gets hurt. Who's leaving? I don't know. I feel like Harvey. No, nah, they, they. You know they're what? not going to get rid the of Mets, Harvey. The Mets uh, might trade Harvey. You heard it, you heard it here first. I mean, I didn't. You're not the first person that said that. <laughs> they've, they've been talking about that just because of his attitude. But I don't think they're going to do it. If, if if he keeps pitching the way he's pitching, and he shows that he's that big game guy, what's more important having that? I mean, who are they going to get for him? You have to get a stud, an absolute stud you for him. Get a bat. And I know. I'm saying like like a Paul Goldschmidt type bat. Like that's the kind of bat. And I don't I don't see that happening. Um, Granderson's crushing it for him. And yeah. you know what? I think Granderson's the only one on the Mets that I like. It's really hard not to refer to Curtis Granderson. One, he's just a nice guy. He he plays the game well. He does awesome things off the field. And you know, I always liked him when he was a, when he was with the Yankee. His his uh his batting average against left-handed pitching was 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 frustrating and, yeah, and hard to watch. It's always sucked. It's not that's not Yeah, not anymore. New. He's done okay. He's not he's he's holding his own now. But yeah, he's he's definitely rebounded. The second half of the year, he's had he's had a phenomenal year, and he's really hitting the ball well now. Well, you know what the difference is, right? Kevin Long, baby. <laughs> Kevin freaking Long. Ugh. just talk about in- adding insult to injury. 
Kevin Long, just who has hated so much the last couple of years as the Yankees, Yankee fans, because he, you know, he he basically was took the fall for the team struggles, which is ridiculous. He can't blame a team sucking on a hitting coach. But uh, he turned the Mets around, and I mean, I know their offense sucked in the first half of the year, but they're pretty good offense now. Yeah, they're uh, they're they're hitting the ball very well, and with Cespedes with that huge right hand bat, and Daniel Murphy's playing the way he is, uh, and I don't even think like uh, David Wright hasn't really done anything, Kadir hasn't done anything, um, so but you know who else has done stuff is there uh, is uh, uh, the catcher that kid Darno. has been Darno has been phenomenal too. Oh I mean, God. talk about a, talk about getting fleeced, man. Uh, I was just gonna with, say that with with Dickey, yeah. Imagine Syndergaard if, and Darno for for Dickey. Imagine if Toronto had Darno and Syndergaard still. Yeah, with, well with then that would bats. be Russell Martin. I mean, Russell Martin's held it down pretty well. Even but if they just had Syndergaard. Syndergaard is uh, it looks to be the real deal. Yeah, the Mets. The Mets made a they made a great trade. Right? That's a great trade. So, Way to capitalize on a forty-year-old guy that throws a knuckleball and had a good year. So I mean, stupid. So it's stupid. really dumb. When I saw it, I'm like, really. I hope you didn't give them anything worth a damn. And then I saw the, what the prospect charts were on those kids. I'm like, you that was ridiculous. But you gave up a top uh, pitching and a top catching prospect. Probably the two hardest prospects the two to most fill. Coveted, yeah, the two <laughs> most coveted. Uh, uh, aside from like a shortstop. For a freaking knuckleballer. Yeah. That Ridic- right there should have got the um, GM in Toronto fired. Off, off of the best year he's ever had. Like, the best year. And you know what's going to happen the next year? He's going to throw 500. Because <laughs> that's what Tim Wakefield did every year. Oh yeah, it's, that's the that's what a knuckleballer does. Yeah. Um, all right. So right now the Royals are doing their part, beating the Blue Jays, but the Cubs are not fulfilling their duties and beating the Mets. So I mean, obviously the series are still young. We sit here on mo- on Monday afternoon. Both are two zero. If you had to pick, what would you rather have the Blue Jays or the Mets win the World Series? So this one's kind of easy for me. I, I don't have a hatred for the Mets like a lot of people do. And I honestly don't think that a lot of Yankee fans have a hatred for the Mets. I think it's completely the opposite. I think Mets fans always put their themselves in the Yankees business because they've been overshadowed for so long. So I don't really have a problem with the Mets. Um, like some of my family are Mets fans. I went to school in Norfolk, Virginia, and that, the Norfolk Tides were the Mets AAA for a while. So I would always go to Tides game and see a lot of those guys. I just don't have a problem. I don't root for them, but I don't have a problem with them. You know what I mean? So, and uh, I just I like good baseball. So I, I like watching them. I actually like watching them play right now. They're, it's it's fun to watch. So I would prefer the Mets, I guess. Here's I don't. Why, like the, I hate the Blue Jays right now. I think I'm leaning towards. I rather have the Blue Jays win because I think I'm totally talking about it from a what fan base would I rather have win the World Series. And I think Blue Jays fans will forget that they won the World Series in like six months. They're going to care about hockey. If the, right. if, the, if the Toronto Maple Leafs have a good season, then they'll just forget about the World Series. Mets fans will talk about this World Series until we're dead. That's true. I will let me let me let me come back a little bit from what I said because there are certain. And this is going to make me sound like a complete a complete jerk, but it is what it is. It's the honest truth. There are certain fan bases that I really enjoy watching in misery, like just the fans. You know what I mean? Yep. Like like oh. Redskins fans, I love watching in misery. Red Sox fans, I love watching in misery. Um, Patriots fans, like I don't. Because before the Patriots were good, they were terrible for a long time. So it, they were just like always bad before that. It's like, I feel like they just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and then Mets fans are kind of – I kind of like watching them squirm. It's, it's kind of fun watching them cry and whine a lot because that's what they've done for so long. And they always – I'm like, 
they're always on the Yankees nuts, like crying about it. I'm like, just why are you crying? Handle your own business in Queens. And uh, so maybe I, maybe, maybe I'm gonna come back from. Ooh, that. did I convince you? I do like watching Mets fans squirm. Sorry, Mets fans, it's fun. <laughs> and you're right. I don't know any Blue Jays fans, so I'll never hear it. We'll, we'll never know any Blue Jays fans because yeah. after this year, they won't exist anymore. Yeah, and they're in a completely different country. So. All right, let's quickly get to some Yankees things because we are going to still talk Yankees every podcast, um, and then we'll get out of here. So some news came out. Uh, they fired Jeff Pentland. We just talked about Kevin Long, how you know how much can you really blame on a hitting coach. It seems like Pentland is taking the fall for the team's struggles at the end of the year. I don't think he's actually taking the fall. Uh, you know, If you look at the reports and what he's been saying, it's it was a one-year deal, and he kind of knew it was a one-year deal and that it was probably going to be – that was it. So, you know, I don't think he's really taking a fall for it. But, uh, you know, with the way that the Yankees struggled down the stretch, there's no reason for him to stay. Uh, but I, I don't think anybody's really necessarily blaming him. But I, mean, I think it was squarely and clearly on the players yeah. and, and how they got tired and injured and it was just they just didn't hit. The Yankees' offense was second in the league through the trade deadline because they were all performing, you know, at least up to what they should. And then they were sucky after that because they were old and injured. Like, there's really, it's black and white. Yeah, so maybe he was actually doing a good job until they got tired. <laughs> maybe he was actually clicking with these guys until they just physically couldn't function. I, mean, I don't like any of it's on him. I, I really don't. Yeah, I mean, I Brian could, McCann. I could care less if he's there or care less if he isn't there, to tell you the truth. Yeah, but McCann had, we saw guys early in the year have good years. So, yeah, yeah. who knows? I just don't, I'm not going to put too much energy into a hitting coach. Um, Someone on our real quick. Uh, this was something that was brought up on our writers uh, forum that we that we talk uh, kind of behind the scenes. Someone brought up the, the interesting notion, and I don't I don't really think it's going to happen, but it, it's interesting. Um, if Mattingly were to get fired, uh, you know, maybe there's a job for him somewhere on the the bench. Was he? Uh, I can't remember. Was he bench coach or hitting coach with the Yankees under Tory? I think he was bench coach. Okay. I think he was bench coach. He might have had dual. I think he was bench coach. I know he was After bench Zimmer. coach. He was bench coach in LA mm-hmm. um, under Tori. He was hitting coach. Yeah, I, can't I have to look it up. I don't remember. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Well, <laughs> is that going to get people excited? <laughs> I yeah, I think just seeing Donnie baseball on the bench could do something. I mean, I think I, I want to see him back in pinstripes one way or another. But, you know, it's, it's interesting because I do think he very well could get fired out in, in L.A. And um, I don't know necessarily he's going to get a managerial job immediately after, um, after you know, kind of underperforming with that, with that team. So I could, see, I could see it happening. Yeah, I agree with you. He'll, he'll have to go and be a coach or, or take a year off or something. Yeah. Um, but how about Willie Randolph? How about a guy like Willie Randolph bringing him back? I feel like he got a raw deal. He might just be. He might just hang it up at this point, as far as coaching. Hey, does, when does you, he need the stress? He doesn't need the stress. When you when you listen to what he was saying at Old Timers Day, when he had the microphone, he feels like he got a raw deal. I, I, I feel like he feels jaded about it, and he is looking for another shot. He kind of made that very well known. Well, how has he looking, not gotten it yet? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what has happened behind the scenes. It's to me. I don't. I, I think he's a good manager, and I. First of all, he's like my favorite third base coach all time. <laughs> Wait, yeah. Hold on, all what time do you mean, favorite third base coach. Oh, dude, that's his not a arm, thing. That's not. Oh a yeah, thing. It's, oh, it's definitely my thing. His arm didn't stop. It was like a windmill. I loved it. Who's your favorite bullpen catcher of all time? 
<laughs> I don't have one of those, but he was definitely my, my favorite third. I just love watching. He was so aggressive. It was awesome. But I would love Who, to see. Who's your favorite grounds crews men of all time? The New York Yankees grounds crew. The, you know, the guy that does it. Favorite, favorite third base coach of all time. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, so, as we move through the playoffs, we're going to start talking about some of these free agents. Um I know Granke's probably going to opt out of his contract. Other free agents like Cueto, Samarja, Zimmerman, David Price, as we just mentioned. Do you think the Yankees are going to go after any of these guys? I could see them going after Zimmerman. Uh, of those of those guys you just mentioned, I'd say Zimmerman is more of the likely target because he's not he's not the flashy Cueto Granke. Um, uh, and I know there's been a lot of reports about Samarja. I'm not sure if I want Samarja to tell you the truth. He's just he he's flashed, but he's also over the course. If you look at his career, he's just been kind of mediocre. He hasn't been that great. Yeah, I mean, uh, especially in the American League. Yeah, so a guy like Zimmerman's intriguing to me. Um, but, but also Zimmerman's only pitched in the NL, and we don't know how he'll fare in the American League. No, that's true. I just don't think he's going to be a, the price tag of the other guys. Um, not counting Samarja. I'm right. talking about Granky uh, and Cueto will probably be the higher of the price. I think Price will get the most money. Yes. Granky will be up there too, though. I think... How old is Granky? Um, I'm going to look it up. Yeah, he's... I mean, he's if he's 32, maybe? That'll be my, my guess. 31. 32? 31. 31? Okay. And Cueto, if he pitches well the rest of the postseason, he'll get a, he'll get a boatload of money. Yeah, I mean, he's he had a, a rough stretch with the Royals when he first came over, but I mean, he's proved or in the in, with Cincinnati that he's he could be a top of the line starter. Um, and then you know when it counted uh, again, talking about the postseason and when it mattered, he he came out there and delivered. Um, I so, just don't think the answer is the Yankees go out and give out another six or seven year contract. To uh, I totally agree. I totally it's like agree. we've seen this time and time again. We finally have some young talent that came up. Severino, Bird, Ref Snyder. We got some other guys in the minors like Judge and Gary Sanchez. Like, let these guys come up and see what they can do. I don't need any more bad free agents. But I mean, you're talking about arms now. So, Nova's Nova's a a huge question mark. If we're talking about the lineup, or I'm sorry, the uh, starting rotation with Tanaka, Pineda, um, Avaldi. Um, Severino, Severino, and then the, that fifth starter, you know, could be a number of guys. Warren, Warren could be Warren, or Warren could be slotted right back into that bullpen. Um, I think, and a guy, and a guy like Zimmerman could be could be got. I think as long as Warren has a healthy offseason and a healthy spring training, he'll be in the rotation. I think he showed enough last year. Right, but if they're going to go after a guy like Zimmerman, who I don't think is going to be a six-year deal, you think Zimmerman's going to be a six-year deal? Yeah, he's twenty-nine. He's twenty-nine years old, huh? Yeah, he'll get six years. Who's his uh, Who's his agent? <laughs> I don't know. If it's Scott Boris, he'll definitely get six. If it's years. Scott Boris, he'll get a hundred years. Yeah, <laughs> but I could see them. Zimmerman is probably the guy I could see them going after. I, I really hope they don't go after Samarja because I, I think he's. I think we've seen the best of Samarja. Let Cashman work his magic and get another. You know, trade trade for another guy or bring in another. Um, uh, what's his name? Brandon McCarthy type. I don't. I don't need another giant free agent acquisition it just does ne- it never works out and i finally see the yankees doing the right thing and keeping their young players i don't need them right now to go out and sign more free agents I'm, i mean you're not going to get any uh, any resistance from me on that notion I, I like that i want them to to see what we have and i want them to groom not i asked- to mention not to mention the issue was not pitching overall this year it was offense at the end of the year right um <clears throat> all right so 
been a couple weeks since the season ended, but let's you know talk about like team awards, team MVP, team Cy Young, and stuff. Um, so why don't you can go first? Give a little logic as to why you picked that guy, and then I'll go if we have a different guy. So so who is your 2015 Yankees team MVP? All right, I'm going with Mark Teixeira. And this is uh, this is your boy, the X Factor from the beginning of the year. I did not see the offense. I did not see the year coming that Teixeira had. Uh, you know, when he was healthy, minus that fluke injury that happened at the end, which it's just a it's it's real really a shame what happened to him as far as that that foul ball. But he was he was the catalyst in the lineup. He was uh, he was a huge deal because of the the right handed bat um, that that he could provide. And when he was out, that he, you saw what happened to the Yankees lineup when when Teixeira was out of that yeah, spot. That's um, I mean that's your biggest argument for Team MVP right there is the difference with him in the lineup and him not in the lineup was staggering. Well, and you know, look, we got some, we got a really good uh, uh, B team guy in Bird as far as as far as you know filling in for Teixeira, but he wasn't Teixeira, and he was another left handed bat. Um, he wasn't the defense on the other side. I mean, Teixeira saved I don't know, countless amount of runs as well with his glove. Headley so, would have had fifty errors. You know, it's going it's going on both sides of the ball. I mean, he did it with the def- with the glove and with the bat. So uh, you know, I think I think he really was the the MVP, and you know, he was hitting up until he got hurt. So. You know, it's not to say that he got to, I don't know what would have happened if he didn't get hurt, but, you know, he was producing all the way through up until that injury, unfortunately, uh, for the injury. Mine would be A-Rod. The 2015, I just blogged, did a blog today. Uh, I reviewed uh, A-Rod's season. It was a renaissance year. It was an eroticence, um, eroticence. like the McConaissance, um, Matthew McConaughey's re- uh, renaissance a couple years ago. It was a year I don't think anybody saw coming. Beginning of the year, if you remember, they were leaving him out of social media posts. They were saying he's not going to get his home run bonuses. We were thinking, oh, when he finally hits his 3,000th hit, it's going to be a nightmare scenario. The team's going to ignore it, all that stuff. You know, Fast forward six months, and he was not only good on the field, but he was good off the field. Clubhouse leader, in my opinion. So I think through and through, A-Rod was their MVP. Had to share a state healthy the whole year. I would have said him, but since A-Rod... Outlasted him. He's the MVP. Outlasted him almost. I mean, there's an asterisk there too because he was he got he got extremely tired down the stretch and wasn't the same player in the second half either. No. Um, so I mean, he he definitely faded big time uh, in the second half. But yeah, I mean, he was nobody expected what he did. Nobody expected what he did. And you know, I I don't know what's going to happen next year with him. Um, obviously, there's going to be more lofty expectations. I think after seeing what he did this year, but they're going to have to keep him. They're going to have to keep him more fresh uh, next year than they did this year. They're going to have to do different things to, to keep him fresh. So that after the after the All Star break, he actually has something left in the tank. And I mean, not to go off not to go off on a tangent and go off track, but this. But that's why I do believe that Bird still has a role definitely uh, on this on the on the roster. And I don't understand why they keep saying that he's going to start in AAA to annoy us. I think God, it drives me insane. All right, Team Cy Young. You're going to love this one. And honestly, this is like a default answer. Don't do it. This is going to be a default answer because there's I, I can't give a Cy Young to a, a reliever. Uh, it's Nathan Avaldi. You don't believe that, do you? <laughs> Not really, but um, 
Uh, Nathan Avaldi is my Cy Young uh, going into next year because I loved what I saw as far as the uh, improvement throughout the year uh, from from the young Avaldi, from the young flamethrower. He he really did he really did improve. Um, you know he developed that that split and uh, he was locating a lot better. And then you know that arm injury came out of nowhere. Really came out of nowhere. Not I mean I guess it just kind of flared up out of nowhere. Um, and it was a shame because he was really starting to put something together, and I think it really hurt the team down the stretch, Definitely. having him having him not in the rotation. So, um, you know, I, I I think as far as our starters, he was I still think he was the most consistent starter all year. You know, he, he granted he didn't go deep in the games, but he was we were in every game that he pitched almost. I mean, he only had one or two really really disastrous outings, and and I think he saw that be, with the with the wins. Um, he did keep us in the games, and and he had I mean he had a lot of run support, but. Um, so yeah, I'll give it to Nathan Avaldi. My team Cy Young is Chris Capuano. I think <laughs> it's, uh, Big Dell and Batances. Uh, I think Miller had probably almost as good, just as good a year, but he was hurt for a couple weeks. So I'm giving it to Batances. He was worked into the ground. We talked yeah, about it. 70 plus appearances. He was pretty much filthy the whole way through. Um, the bullpen, I don't think, is as successful without him. He would come in in the seventh inning. He'd come in in the eighth inning. He could close. Um, Un- unbelievable! Uh, he did it all this year, so definitely Batances is Cy Young. Well, it's, you know, and it's funny the two of them are very much tied together too, because you know I think going into next year, one of the big focuses for the pitching staff is is depth. I mean, they need to improve on pitch count and getting deeper into ball games yep. because what we saw at the end of the season is the Batances is human when he throws the ridiculous, you know, Scott Proctor innings. Yeah, when he throws when, every day, you mean he gets tired? Weird. Yeah. You know, so th- these guys need we need some better uh, performances as far as getting deeper in the games um, and, and giving giving this bullpen more rest and, and not having them at work as much as possible. I mean, as much as much crap as we give Joe Girardi for his bullpen management, you know, he was put in tough situations a lot of the times because the pitching staff, the starting pitching staff put him in those positions by, you know, get, not getting out of the fifth inning. Um, time and time again, so they're very much related. Uh, you know, of all these, got to improve on that. But I think you know, uh, in the second half, we started seeing him getting deeper into the game. So, yeah, okay. Uh, team goat, so like least least valuable player on the 2015 Yankees. I, I'm giving I'm giving this to a player that just completely underperformed, and and, and we need a better. I mean, we absolutely need a better season out of this guy, uh, both from staying on the field, and then when you're on the field, I need you to perform, and that's Jacoby Ellsbury. Uh, Jacoby Ellsbury came out of the gate hot. I mean, he came out of the gate very hot. Sort of Gardner. The two of them were just dynamic as, as all as all as all can be at the top of the order. But you know, he he battled injuries as Ellsbury does. He he battled, he, he gets hurt, and then when he came back, he was terrible. He was absolutely terrible, and I don't know if he was still hurt, and that was the case, or he just no. He said he was healthy. There's some was off. I mean, he says he's healthy, but is that the truth? Um, Or his head wasn't there mentally. He checked out. I don't know what happened, but look, we got this guy under contract. He's being paid a lot of money. Five more years. We need him to to play at a higher level, Uh, and there's there's just. There's just no doubt about it. We need him. If this team is going to be successful and make deeper runs in the playoffs, we need Jacoby Ellsbury to be that dynamic player at the top of the lineup for a whole season. Don't you think the Yankees would have been better off signing Curtis Grandison to the four years that the Mets gave him versus giving Ellsbury seven? I mean, Monday morning quarterback, we're looking at this, you know, seeing what's happened. Yeah, how else can you look at it? I guess, but, you know, Granderson, you can't really expect that to happen, though. 
That's the thing. You, you, I don't like looking at it like that because when the, when it happened, when the signings happened, um, you know, the Granderson wasn't even an option in our minds at that point. But he, really, I, he was not a resign option. I don't know why he wasn't because, I you know, listen, who's a better player? Um, just in a vacuum, it's Ellsbury over Granderson. He's a more complete player. But when you factor in the length of the contract and what Granderson could have given you for four years to bridge the gap until somebody else, <coughs> Aaron Judge, comes up, I think what could have been crucial. He hit home runs in Yankee Stadium. He hit like 100 home runs in his four years in Yankee Stadium. And that was in one year, which he only played 60 games. And, you know, he batted, he hit 245, 250. But guess what? So did Jacoby Ellsbury this year. But he only hit like nine home runs. So I, I really think that it, it, was, it was a mistake on, on Cashman's part to not think of Granderson as more of an option and to go for the big, big long-term Ellsbury contract. The thing is, though, he's another left-handed bat that doesn't get on base a ton. And when you're constructing the lineup, Jacoby Ellsbury and, Gr- and uh, Gardner were, were the two setup guys to, to get on base for, these, for, these, for the big home run hitters. I mean, that, that's, that's the way they drew it up, right? That's the way they drew it up. And Granderson's not – I mean, he's been leading off for the Mets occasionally – um, but yeah, Granderson probably would have hit six, six or seventh for the Yankees. But, that, but, you know but what? that's fine. I know, but you're looking at it. You're looking at it in the beginning of the year, and you need. A, you're looking at a leadoff batter. You're looking for a number one or number two guy. But and, but, uh, and that's what Gardner, they're looking. At. Gardner could lead off. Ellsbury and Gardner are redundant players. Yeah, they've become that. Yes, especially in the second half of this year. Redundantly bad. Yeah. <laughs> they're terrible, both of them. And they're yeah. When they were going good, equally terrible. Season, when they were going good at the beginning of the season, it was great, but. <laughs> we only saw that for a month and a half out of the two years with these two guys. So, yeah. I don't know. It's just, yeah, Monday morning quarterbacking. Um, probably unfair on my part. All right, so my team go is Chase Headley. Because uh, you, you hate him. Yeah, well, come on. Um, $50 million, complete overpayment, tons of errors. Um, we didn't see that same big hit, <clears throat> big hit potential that he showed at the end of last year. Um, totally faded in the second half. Was not the guy what we were expecting him to be, which is just steady. He wasn't steady. He was bad. And it's funny because I think, I don't remember when exactly this was during the season. Maybe it was around mid-season. Um, one of our guys did a an article about um, what would have happened if we had just signed Solarte instead of going out and getting the the big you know uh, free agent in, in Chase Headley. And he did a comparison of the numbers. And when you look at their numbers at the end of the year, they're actually not that far off. Yep. Uh, it was Chris Morrow who wrote this. So it would be an interesting article to go check back at. But it's, it's definitely an interesting comparison because he really did not – he's not living up to his contract. But at the same time, I did think he – it was a fluke year in the field. I don't expect that to happen next year. Um, I, I really don't. I mean, honestly, like it was a lot of routine plays that he boots. It's just it's so weird. Um, and, but you know, as far as the bat, you know, he's going to hit 15 home runs, probably bat 250, 260, and drive in 70 to 80 runs. I think that's what you're going to get from him. But, but that's, that's not what, what they so, got. That's this a Solar, year. That's what Solarte's going to do also in a full time role. <clears throat> All right, rookie of the year. My rookie of the year is Greg Bird. And the reason I went with Greg Bird is because he came up in a, a very big situation. We had one of our big guys, Mark Teixeira, go down. And Bird 
just stepped right into a starting role, an everyday role, and delivered. Uh, the kid had, had big hits. Uh, he, he proved that he is major league ready. He proved that no moment is too big and that he can you know, really handle himself on, on, on the major league roster, on the major league level with, uh, with major league pitchers. So I think he had a tremendous year. He did better than anybody really expected. Uh, you know, he, while he was not Mark Teixeira, he did, he did soften the blow a lot. Um, you know, he's, a, I'd say, above average defender, uh, but he really proved that he could, you know, hit the long ball in the, in the, in the big leagues, too. And I think he was just a, a, a sight for sore eyes. Clutch and too. honestly, he was clutch. And I didn't expect it. I really didn't expect it. No, he was a. one of the guys. He was one of the guys that, that I was saying that maybe we should look at him as a trade going after one of these pitchers. I mean, I was that, shocked they said he was untouchable at the deadline. Me, too. I didn't realize. I didn't, you know, I did not realize his bat was as good as it is, and, and that he had the makeup that he does. So, um, uh, you know, I am, I was fully wrong about him. Maybe I just didn't have enough information or see enough on him. But I am very glad they didn't get rid of him because I love him. Yeah. I really do. Professional hitter. Six of his eleven home runs put the team in the lead, which is huge. Yeah. And you know what? He just carries himself like a New York Yankee, and I love that. He really does. I mean, just he he says the right thing. He does the right thing. Um, he works his ass off. Uh, he's a good kid. I, I I just like him. I like him as a player. I like him as, as a as a as a person, even off the field. I think he does good things. So I'm I'm happy with him. And I, he's gonna be he's gonna be in in uh, in New York for a long time. Well, he'll be in Scranton next year. Well, yeah. God, man, it drives me crazy when I hear that. Uh, my t- my rookie of the year for the team was Severino. I think that when he came up, well, he again. I've said this. They could have traded him for anybody on the on the market this year. Mm-hmm. They held on to him, and I think there was some pressure on Cashman to have this guy work out. And I know it's only a half a season, but he looks like a legit, real deal ace. He has that potential. He's got the stuff. He seems like he has the makeup. He was not rattled. He had a bad start against the Blue Jays, and then the next time he went out there and he pitched really well against them. Um, I really liked what I saw to him. He pitched six innings time after time, which is you know more than he pitched in the minor leagues this year. But that was also by the Yankees doing. As no, well. what I'm saying is yeah. that he he got them to the sixth inning, which is more than we can say about a lot of our pitchers. And next year, I expect him to take the next step, and he'll be getting into the seventh inning uh, consistently. So I, I really think that he he's the future ace of the Yankees, and they have not had a, a, a homegrown ace since Andy Pettit, essentially. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean. I I I have them as one A and one B. You know what I mean. I mean, and either one. Um, Severino came up also in a big role uh, when we when we needed pitching when guys were going down and he stepped up to that spot and and he was our probably our most reliable pitcher you know since since he was up. Um, so so yeah, that, absolutely. I mean, he's a he was a huge part of this team and it's going to be a big part next year. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him in in the you know in a full year. Well, speaking of that, who are you most looking forward to seeing next year? I'm going to go with a guy that I've been I was most looking forward to seeing all year this year. <laughs> and that's Rob Refsnyder. Um I I I really hope that he comes out gangbusters in the spring and just just takes that job uh because I mean I, I know there's rumors going around and and talk of of Ref Snyder and Ackley platooning and well, I like Ackley as a uh, a utility guy. I, I don't want them to be a, a righty-lefty. I want Ref Snyder to be the second baseman. I want them to give him that job. I think he showed that when he came up and when he actually got playing time after sitting on the bench after the rosters expanded for practically a month, 
he came in when uh, Steven Drew got dizzy, and he delivered, and he played very well, and he played good defense too. You know, the the one thing that everybody's been telling us that you know why Ref Snyder is not in the Bronx while he's not wearing pinstripes is because of his defense. And I saw no reason to think to see why he can't play at a major league level. He played just fine. Um, and it's, it's very obvious that his bat is major league ready. So I'm looking forward to a full season of Rob Ref Snyder. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. Uh, if I had to pick a guy, it would be Judge because I think that, um, you know, look what we saw with Severino and Bird and a little bit of Ref Snyder this year. Young guys coming up, energizing the team. You know, Bird made the jump from double A. Severino made the jump from double A this year, too. And Ref Snyder was in triple A. You know, let's see what, you know, Judge, maybe he can do that next year. Come up and midseason give the team a much needed lift and then you're talking about a handful of players who are potentially in the starting lineup that are all homegrown Mm -hmm. that's when the teams start playing well when they have four to five guys of homegrown talent and then you mix in the veterans with the free agents i mean that's what the core four was they had all these homegrown guys and then they had complimentary free agents when the yankees started to not do as well it's when they were relying on those big name free agents and had no homegrown guys so I'm really excited to see what the farm system can do. I think they're the Yankees as an organization are definitely trending in the right direction. Um, they they kind of lost their way for a couple years after the 09 season. They they kind of had to still feed that. Oh, we have Jeter still playing well. We've got the, you know the core four still playing, and and they got down this path of really terrible contracts. So I want to see them sort of climb their way out of that. And I think those young guys, including Judge, can start to do that. And. Look around. Look around right now at the teams that are playing postseason baseball still. They have a lot of young, good talent. This To win in today in the, in the post-steroid era, if that's what we're calling it, that's what we're, we're living through, truly, you're, you're seeing a lot more athletic young guys than you are some of these veterans that are hitting the ball out of the ballpark. Yeah, you're not the, seeing as many. It's definitely the future of the game. Absolutely. So you're seeing better pitching and you're seeing athletic guys who get on base um, and, and young guys. And the fact that the Yankees have this, look, I think these guys are embracing it too. I think the judge um, and, and, and Bird and these guys are embracing the fact that I think they know that, hey, this is, this, this is the next youth movement. And they know what the last one did. And they know how much the Yankee fans will get behind them because th- we – as a Yankee fan, there's nothing more that we love than homegrown talent. Nothing more. I don't care who you bring over. We love homegrown talent more than anything after seeing what the core four did and Jeter and those guys. I mean, that's that's what gets the Yankee fan going. And you're gonna see you're gonna see the stadium more lively. You're gonna see uh, you know the, the fan base, I think, more active. You're gonna see a lot of changes if we can get these guys up and if they're if they're uh, if they start to hit their stride. So yeah, it's really exciting. People wonder why the Mets have so much buzz in the in the city of New York and the Yankees don't. It's because the Mets have young guys and the fans are excited about them. Yeah. The Yankees, it's hard to get behind some of these overpriced veterans of free agent veterans it's like it's hard to get behind those guys it's more fun to get behind the guys that came up through your organization absolutely it's it's no doubt no doubt about it all right so um bit of a long episode we talked a lot of football and um definitely wanted to get that yankee stuff in there we're going to continue to talk yankees each week definitely contribute to the mailbag and the voicemail line and the facebook group if you haven't already joined it I'll, i'll tweet out that link a few more times this week uh, thanks to those who have joined it and are contributing to the conversations. We definitely want to start using more of those. Um, Scott, I think next week we're going to be talking about that Jets-Patriots game. 
that's gonna be a big one. <laughs> I really hope I can come on with with uh, being positive about that. Yeah. So we'll see. I really, I hope you lose so badly. <laughs> I really do. I, I hope plan you on lose. rubbing like a a forty two to like thirteen win in your face. Okay. All right. I'm I'm forty two to thirteen. I'm writing that down right now. <laughs> <laughs> now in actuality, I think it's gonna be a good game. But the Patriots uh, will win. Okay. Let's hope. Let's hope you're wrong. Let's hope you're wrong. And I'm pretty sure most of my, most of the listeners are hoping you're wrong too. Even yeah. if they're rooting for the Giants. I'm sure a lot of people are not going to like me this winter. <laughs> All right, cool man. Well, good luck. But not really. Yeah. All right. We'll catch you guys next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.